O Lord, open our lips, and our mouths shall proclaim your praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We welcome you to Marsh Chapel on this balmy Sunday in July as we join together in scripture and song in praise of God. Whether you are seated here in the nave of the chapel, listening live via WBUR at 90.9 FM in the greater Boston area, listening over the internet at WBUR.org, or listening later via the podcast, please know that you are a valued part of our community. My name is Jessica Chica, and I have the pleasure of serving as the University Chaplain for International Students here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards to each of you. Today we kick off our summer preaching series, Toward a Common Hope, with our guest preacher and colleague, Brother Larry Whitney. Brother Larry serves as the University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel and is a PhD candidate in Philosophical Theology at the School of Theology here at BU. We look forward to the words of hope Brother Larry will offer us today. We gather today to worship God and to be reminded of the divine gifts of grace and love which join us together in the body of Christ. Let us stand as we are able in praise of God.
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, before you offer your gift, go and be reconciled. As sisters and brothers in God's family, together we plead God's forgiveness as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie. May God have mercy on you, forgive you your sins, and bring you to everlasting life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let us share with one another signs of peace.
us pray. Grant, O Lord, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A lesson from the second book of Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 and 17 to 27. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from defeating the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. David intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of Judah. It is written in the book of Joshua. He said, Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Goth, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice. The daughters of the uncircumcised will exalt. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor bounteous fields. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, anoint it with oil no more. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, nor the sword of Saul return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with crimson and luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of woman. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. More than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patria and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. To realize that we live in a society, in a world desperately in need of hope, 
We need turn no further than the front page of the newspaper, or better yet, to flip on our local NPR affiliate. There we may learn of children separated from their parents and thrown in cages. We may learn that it is constitutional to blatantly discriminate on the basis of religion as long as we can come up with a second, more legitimate reason for doing so. We may learn that principles applied to legislative confirmation of appointments when the opposing party leads the executive branch need not apply when the party of the legislative majority holds the White House. We may learn that the dignity and integrity of those entrusted with holding each and all of us to our highest ideals in the public forum are derided for doing just that and their lives and safety threatened by those they in fact call to account. All of this callousness and hypocrisy and evil has been carried out by our government in our names just this week. Surely there has never been a generation in the course of human history with so little ground under its feet as our own. The great masquerade of evil has wrought havoc with all our ethical preconceptions. This appearance of evil in the guise of light, beneficence, and historical necessity is utterly bewildering to anyone nurtured in our traditional ethical systems. No, this is not an original commentary on the present situation, though you could be forgiven for assuming it so. It is Dietrich Bonhoeffer commenting on Germany under the Nazi party while in prison for his activities as part of the resistance movement. Out of the depths have I cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to mark what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? Resistance is what we are called to in our time as well. But if our resistance is going to amount to anything, it will need to be inspired by, grounded in, and oriented toward a hope for what we aspire to beyond the present tribulation. I, for one, and perhaps you as well, would like to think that religion might play a role in envisioning and enacting such hope. At the same time, I, for one, and perhaps you as well, have a deep awareness of just how much religion is bound up in and too often supportive of the callousness, hypocrisy, and evil we are supposed to be resisting, not only here at home, but around the world. Indeed, if religion is to contribute to a global renewal of hope, we will have to transcend our own descent into tribalism and realize our vocation to incarnate truth and justice for all. Religion too often succumbs to tribal idolatries. This includes Christianity, often is not at the vanguard of the fall from grace. 
Paul Tillich reminds us that idolatry is mistaking the finite for the infinite. Tribal idolatries mistake the finitude of our personal identities with the infinity of God's grace. In the Christian idiom, the Bible is mistaken for God, masculinity is mistaken for Christ-likeness, whiteness is mistaken for purity, the nation-state is mistaken for the realm of God, and money is mistaken for salvation. When identities are so cosmologized against the backdrop of divinity, they become potent principles for discriminating in-groups from out-groups. Rich, white, male Americans who believe in the Bible are in, and everyone else is out. Well, now, this is strange. Here we are speaking in the Christian idiom, and yet there seems to be a glaring omission from the supposedly Christian tribal idolatry. Hello, Jesus. How odd. Jesus appears to have been written out of Christianity. Of course Jesus has been written out of tribalistic Christianity. Jesus was fundamentally opposed to tribalism, as were the founding figures of most, if not all, religions. Including Jesus would result in an inevitable iconoclasm. Consider our gospel reading for today, which concludes with Jesus saying, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So much for masculinity. If you need it spelled out for you, my mother preached a fantastic sermon on that passage a few years ago. Then there's our passage from the first chapter of 2 Samuel. I'm just going to set the 26th verse here and let you meditate on it, merely noting that we've just concluded a, fa- concluded a fantastic Pride Month in spite of the Supreme Court letting a baker get away with discriminating against LGBTQ folk. David says... I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. Please note, today's scripture readings were prescribed by the Revised Common Lectionary. I did not select them. They were set for today in 1994, and Dean Hill assigned me to preach today. Jesus does not play the in-group, out-group game. And neither should the religion founded in his name and on his teaching. Neither should the religions whose founders similarly decried tribalism in its many guises. That is, nearly all of them. This is not to say there has necessarily ever been a pristine expression of religion apart from the temptation toward idolatry. All of the tribalistic framings have been written in since the beginning, including in the sacred texts themselves. Our calling, like the calling of all people of faith down through the ages, is to do better, to be more faithful, to exhibit more integrity, to press onward toward perfection. This does lead us to a troubling conundrum, though. If religion is not about controlling women's bodies, minds, and spirits, 
if religion is not about judging the character of people by the color of their skin, if religion is not about claiming God for ourselves over against our neighbor, if religion is not about gaining and parading extravagant sums of money, if religion is not about justifying our worst proclivities by beating others over the head with a book, then what is left for religion to be about? Hope. Religion is about hope. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet, even here, at the brink of a turn toward redemption, the temptation to tribalism looms. Religion is about hope, but it is not about your hope and your hope and your hope and your hope and my hope, and her hope, and his hope. Hope is not individual. Hope is not even collective. Hope is in common. Hope is for all of us together. As Howard Thurman taught us, people, all people, belong to one another. In what, then, are we to hope? The good news, the gospel for us today, is that religion is not rocket science. The hope of religion is really so simple and so straightforward that it is little wonder it so often gets overlooked and that we become suspicious that it must be some sort of trick. Hope is simply this. All means all. That's it. All means all. No ifs, ands, or buts. All means all. Not all if you are male. All. Women and men and trans and intersex and gender nonconforming. All. All means all. Not all if you are white. All. Black and brown and white and every shade in between and beyond. All. All means all, not all if you are a U.S. citizen. All. Canadian and Mexican and American and Chinese and Indian and Nigerian and Kenyan and Iranian and Russian and Colombian and Irish and Italian and all the rest. All. All means all, not all if you are rich. All. Poor and rich and middle class that, as it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. All. All means all. Not all as long as you believe in every word that is printed in this book as I understand it. All. Jews and Muslims and Christians and Hindus and Jains and Sikhs and Baha'is and Buddhists and Taoists and Confucians and atheists and agnostics and spiritual but not religious and nuns. All. All means all. God makes all of us, and God calls all of us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. That includes you and you and you and you and me and her and him. All. People, all people, belong to one another. And those who shut themselves away diminish themselves. And those who shut others away from them destroy themselves.
means all because all is all, having been made by the all in all. Last night, like most nights, before I went to sleep, I went into each of my daughter's bedrooms and watched them sleeping peacefully, surrounded by too many stuffed animals to count. This week, however, it is impossible to look at them sleeping soundly and then walk across the hall to my own bed without immediately thinking of the thousands of children ripped from their parents' arms made to sleep under foil blankets, wailing themselves to sleep with cries for their mothers. This egregious human rights violation is being carried out in our time, on our watch, by our government, in our names. You see, a corollary of insisting that all means all is that the terror and torment being visited upon these children, even as I speak, is on all of us, regardless of who we voted for. On Wednesday, we will celebrate Independence Day, the foundational principle of which is liberty and justice for all. As a country, we have never fulfilled this principle, always leaving liberty and justice a promissory note for some. Yet, those whose dignity and worth have been violated continue to come in hope of receiving what we have promised. Thus, our failure only compounds their violation. We must do better. I have two beautiful daughters. Hope, too, has two beautiful daughters, anger and courage. If you are angered by what is being done in your name, then you must wrap yourself in hope that you may have the courage to resist. A Bonhoeffer moment is fast approaching when we may be called upon to resist in ways we had hoped would never be necessary. We will then have to answer in real time the question posed by our baccalaureate speaker in May, the Honorable Carmen Yulín Cruz Soto. What will you do in a moral crisis? If this sounds to you like a kind of extremism, good. Like Bonhoeffer, Dr. King gave voice to some of his most profound thinking from prison, as he reminds us. Was not Jesus an extremist in love? Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Was John Bunyan not an extremist? 
I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a mockery of my conscience. Was not Abraham Lincoln an extremist? This nation cannot survive half-slave and half-free. Was not Thomas Jefferson an extremist? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate? Or will we be extremists for love? Will we be extremists for the preservation of injustice? Or will we be extremists for the cause of justice? Perhaps the greatest sign of hope this past week was the Democratic primary victory by just such an extremist in the 14th Congressional District of the State of New York, Boston University alumna Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. In an article for America Magazine, she reminds us just how deeply the pursuit of justice is implicated in the life of faith. She says, by nature, a society that forgives and rehabilitates its people is a society that forgives and transforms itself. That takes a radical kind of love, a secret of which is given in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And let us not forget the guiding principle of the least among us found in Matthew, that we are compelled to care for the hungry, thirsty, homeless, naked, sick, and, yes, the imprisoned. All means all. God makes all of us and God calls all of us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. That includes you and you and you and you and me and her and him. All. Amen.
Good morning. Welcome again to Marsh Chapel. We are so delighted to be with you in worship this morning. Whether you're here uh, suffering out in the heat with us in the nave or joining us via the radio or podcast, hopefully somewhere air-conditioned. Um, help us to greet you personally this morning by filling out the red pads that are found in the center of the aisle of each pew if you're here in person, or by emailing us at chapel at bu.edu if you're joining us virtually. I have three announcements this morning. First, our summer picnic is taking place outside um, following the service. Please come join us for food and fellowship. This is our high event of the summer and enjoy the wonderful hospitality of our Marsh Chapel chapter and our members. It'll be right outside to your left as you exit um, the chapel this morning. Um, second, today is a communion Sunday. Ours is an open table. All are welcome to receive. We'll have wine on the pulpit side, which is opposite of me, and we'll have grape juice available on the lectern side, which is the side I'm on. And gluten-free uh, communion wafers as well are available upon request. And we'll also have healing stations under the first window on the pulpit side if you are looking for anointing or prayer on this Sunday. And last, our Summer Preacher series continues next week um, with our very own Dean Robert Allen Hill as we continue our series toward a common hope. We'd welcome you to join us again next week and every week you can this summer. As always, if you're a visitor, if you're thinking about coming to Marsh for the first time, there is free parking every Sunday in the College of Arts and Sciences parking lot at the end of Bay State Road. We'd love to see you next week. And now as the ushers wait upon us for the morning tithes and offerings, I invite you to meditate upon Walter Peltz's setting of John 14:27. Peace I leave with you.
for gifts given, for gifts received, for the gifts of ministry expressed in this place, we give you thanks, O God. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this bread, fruit of the earth, and of human labor. Let it become the bread of life. Blessed be God, now and forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of the universe. You are the giver of this wine, fruit of the vine and of human labor. Let it become the wine of the eternal kingdom. Blessed be God, now and forever. As grain once scattered on the fields and grapes once dispersed on the hillside are now reunited on this table in bread and wine, so, Lord, may your whole church soon be gathered from the corners of the earth into your kingdom. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up, the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Truly it is right and good to glorify you at all times and in all places, to offer you our thanksgiving, O Lord, Holy One, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through your living word you created all things and pronounced them good. You made human beings in your own image to share your life and reflect your glory. When the time had fully come, you gave Christ to us as the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus accepted baptism and consecration as your servant to announce the good news to the poor. At the Last Supper, Jesus bequeathed to us the Eucharist that we should celebrate the memorial of the cross and resurrection and receive the divine presence as food. To all the redeemed, Christ gives the royal priesthood and in loving all named as sisters and brothers, chooses those who share in, this, in the ministry that they may feed the church with your word and enable it to live by your sacraments. Wherefore, Lord, with all the angels and all the saints, we proclaim and sing your glory. you are holy and your glory is beyond measure. Upon your Eucharist send your life-giving spirit who spoke by Moses and the prophets, who filled the Virgin Mary with grace, who descended upon Jesus in the river Jordan and upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. May the outpouring of this spirit of fire transfigure this Thanksgiving meal that this bread and wine may become for us the body and blood of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. May this Creator Spirit accomplish the words of Jesus Christ, who in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Lord Jesus, we proclaim your death 
We celebrate your resurrection. We await your coming in glory. Wherefore, Lord, we celebrate today the memorial of our redemption. We recall the birth and life of Jesus Christ among us, his baptism by John, his last meal with the apostles, his death and descent to the abode of the dead. We proclaim Christ's resurrection and ascension in glory. We hope in our great high priest who ever intercedes for all people. We look for the coming of Christ at the last. United in Christ's priesthood, we present to you this memorial. As we remember Jesus' sacrifice, grant to people everywhere the benefits of your redemptive work in Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Behold, Lord, this Eucharist which you yourself gave to the church, and graciously receive it as you accept the self-offering of Jesus Christ, whereby we are reinstated in your covenant. As we partake of Christ's body and blood, fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we may be one single body and one single spirit in Christ, a living sacrifice to the praise of your glory. Come, Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your one holy Catholic and apostolic church, redeemed by the self-sacrifice of Christ. Reveal its unity, guard its faith, and preserve it in peace. Remember, Lord, all the servants of your church, bishops, presbyters, deacons, and all to whom you have given special gifts of ministry. Remember also all our sisters and brothers who have died in the peace of Christ, and those whose faith is known to you alone. Guide them to the joyful feast prepared for all peoples in your presence with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with the patriarchs and prophets, the apostles and martyrs, and all the saints for whom your friendship was life. With all these we sing your praise and await the happiness of your kingdom, where with the whole creation finally delivered from sin and death, we shall be enabled to glorify you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. United by one baptism in the same Holy Spirit and the same body of Christ, we pray as daughters and sons of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is our communion in the blood of Christ.
Dear friends, all means all. God makes all of us and God calls all of us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly. So go forth in the grace and peace of Christ to do just that. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Amen.